Welcome to the Changing Conversations podcast by SGS, looking into technology used in the medical industry. Technology is a vital resource across all industries, but as the challenges and practices evolve ever more quickly, it's vital that the devices used can keep up, and more importantly, that the people in those workplaces can keep up with their devices. In this first episode, we'll be looking into the importance of cybersecurity and what the best practices are for manufacturers to ensure their devices are safe and, of course, secure. We'll look at the standards and practices that are in place and at the certification process. The podcast rounds up by looking at the interaction of security and safety and how this can protect medical devices in a world that's interconnected 24-7. My name's Daniel Tatarski and I'm delighted to be hosting this event and even more pleased to be joined by four experts to show me the way. Vasily Kalatsky, Business Development Manager, Medical Product Certification. Stefan Fenn, Safety Expert, Active Medical Devices, SGS Germany. Willy Fabricius, Global Head of Strategy and Business Development, SGS. And finally, Thomas Schuster, Security Evaluator, SGS Brightside. Thomas, when is cybersecurity applicable for my device? And, and is cybersecurity applicable as soon as my device has network interfaces? Um, basically, as soon as your device has some kind of software, firmware, or is a software as a medical device that could be vulnerable to some cybersecurity threats, uh, you should consider cybersecurity, even if it does not have any network interfaces. Right. Um, so you can think about it. As if you have some kind of asset or secret you want to protect, then right. cybersecurity is important. Mm-hmm. So cybersecurity ensures that, or it is tries to ensure that um, certain properties are fulfilled for medical devices, for example, availability, integrity, authentication, and confidentiality um, mm-hmm. of the information you want to protect. Um, these properties are quite well known, the so-called CIA plus principles. And um, the goal should be that uh, these properties should be protected and restored in case of cybersecurity attacks. So to sum it up, basically cybersecurity is important for all electronic devices or software as a medical device. All right. Um, Just to clarify, that's not the real CIA, is it? That's just an acronym for confidentiality. It's it's a different CIA. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We We don't want the CIA on our backs at this point. CIA in this case is, is confidentiality, uh, availability, and integrity, or integrity and availability. So we have to get it in the right order. And, and can yeah. you just explain to me um, what you mean when you say software as a medical device? A device, medical device doesn't have to be, for example, a special device itself. It can also be part of, or, or just in software. Um, for example, a mobile application that does some medical. Um, related activities or has some medically related functionalities. All right. So, so like if I use software to analyze an MRI scan, even if it wasn't in a medical device. For example, but maybe someone else in this round can give a better explanation. Yeah, it might be something like an app you have on your phone and it's constantly tracking, I don't know, your blood pressure. All right. Uh, connected to your smartwatch. And yeah. now the big question is, how secure is your device and right. not broadcasting all this kind of information to to the world. All right. Okay. No, that makes it very clear. So I'll, I'm just going to put my watch on um, on flight mode so that it doesn't uh, check my blood pressure too much during this podcast. 
is cybersecurity mandatory or is it requested by any regulation? So um, cybersecurity requirements are covered by a wide umbrella uh, of regulations. Uh, for metrics manufacturers, um, the, uh, the manufacturer shall consider uh, regulations specific for medical devices like the MDCG in Europe and the pre and post market guidance in the USA. Um, and also um, those that are dependent on some technology per se, like uh, the European Radio Equipment Directive, the RED. Moreover, medical manufacturers should also consider regulations uh, related to the type of industry itself. For example, in Europe, the NIS 2.0 uh, uh, directive for enterprises in critical infrastructure industries. Right. Okay. Which standards or good practices can I rely on as, as a support for integrating cybersecurity requirements on my medical advice? Um, maybe not give them all to me, but maybe just the most important ones. Usually, we start suggesting the so-called IMDRF, the International Medical Device Regulators Forum Guidance, because there are de facto consensus of the requirements that medical device manufacturers shall follow. For cybersecurity, we have the three different guidances. The first one is the principles and practices for medical device cybersecurity, which covers both the pre- and the post-marketing requirements. Mm -hmm. uh, the second one are the principles and practices uh, for software bill of materials for medical device cybersecurity. And the third one, the principles and practices for cybersecurity of legacy medical devices. Top of that, there are also different standards. And we uh, also want to mention two documents that could be very useful for med tech manufacturers. For example, um, the HSCC, the Joint uh, Security Plan which does not only give guidance on how to integrate cybersecurity into your product uh, lifecycle, but also gives you some evaluating process to assess the maturity level of your product. And also the MIDRE for uh, the so-called threat modeling and risk assessment for medical devices. Right. Okay. Yeah. Willie, a question for you now. From your point of view, what might be standards that might be of interest? That is a very good question, Daniel. Um, so in the interest of full disclosure, I'm not coming from the medical device industry. I'm coming from the management system perspective. I'm coming from the governance perspective. And that means I'm interested in how does the organization ensure that they have repetitive processes uh, so that at the end of the day, the results are always the same. So I think most of the audience knows about uh, a quality management system like ISO 9001 or may know about ISO 14001, which is the environmental management system. But obviously, when we are talking about information security and cybersecurity, we, we are really talking about ISO 27001, which is uh, titled something along the line, information security, cybersecurity, and privacy. And this has been around for many, many years now. It has just recently been updated in 2022 to a new version. And, and fundamentally, it's asking the organization to identify risks so that they can implement suitable controls so that at the end of the day, they have a governance system in place to ensure repetitive processes. Whether this is related to the protection of information they have or the information they have about the patients, or whether they have information about their clients. 
At the end of the day, a management system is ensuring consistency and repeatable uh, processes. Right. And moving to you now, Vasily, are there any standards that notified bodies focus on when a cybersecurity assessment is addressed? Well, already in the MDR application phase, we require our clients to fill out the cybersecurity checklist. And this helps review the applicant's readiness in addressing the cybersecurity of the product to be certified. In this regard, we adhere to the MDCG guidance 2019-16, and this document set up the framework of possible requirements for the cybersecurity, which shall be addressed in order to comply with MDR requirements. So methods are used by the manufacturers, evidence of verification and validation can include security features, uh, attesting like fast testing and vulnerability scanning and penetration testing. And relevant standard numbers could be found in the Annex 3 of the MDCG 2019-16 document and are for reference only. Right, okay. Um, moving on to you now, Thomas. Um, just looking at uh, systems integration now, can cybersecurity functionalities be relied upon in, in certified components? We see that in many uh, other industries, but unfortunately in the medical sector, this is not yet so common, hopefully in the near future. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, within the so-called common criteria uh, or CC, uh, certifications, is it po is it's possible to certify a component of a device and then provide assurance that all of the uh, composite and product uh, products that are on top of this component are secure. So the idea is that the manufacturer can integrate a new platform or a cryptographic library upon a already certified hardware, which only uh, only guarantees trust for the manufacturer that the component is secure, but also for the notification bodies that uh, there's assurance for the critical components that have been evaluated and certified. Speaking about medical devices, the only place where we see this at the moment are for connected diabetes devices that have their own protection profiles and standards called the DTSEC, Cybersecurity Standard for Connected Diabetes Devices. Of course, this does not mean that other types of medical devices cannot also profit from this in the future. If you're interested in that as a potential uh, customer or as a manufacturer, um, we, as, as Chess Brightside, are one of the leading testing laboratories for such evaluations, CC and CSIP evaluations, and we also accredited for DTSEC evaluations. So feel free to contact us. Okay. Um, a question for you now, Willie. What about certification of the organization's management system? Excellent question. I like that. Um, it, it, it's ISO 27001, and it's indeed a certifiable standard, uh, as is ISO 42001, which is an upcoming standard for the management of AI systems. And that is just an example of standards or frameworks that can be used for certification of organizations. Uh, but there's also something that is called Euro privacy. And Euro privacy framework really allows an organization to certify their processes and or products to be compliant with GDPR requirements. So I really differentiate between business processes and the governance system versus the processes that process personally identifiable data, let alone PHI, personal health information. At Euro privacy, 
would allow an organization to really have a certification that fulfills Article 42 of GDPR, main, meaning certification of their processes to ensure protection of uh, information. Uh, and as with all management systems, uh, these certifications um, are either to those standards, but really help the organization to simplify regulatory compliance, while at the same time improving accountability and reducing cost. Right, okay. And moving back to you now, Vasily, um, do notified bodies look into such certified components as is common in the IEC 60601-1 series when we talk about critical components? Uh, we do evaluate medical devices from the perspective of compliance with general safety performance requirements is laid out in Annex 1, the MDR. And there is no universal approach and components as they might be used in different setups and contexts beyond the scope of approval. All used common solutions and certified components must be evaluated for the intended use claimed by the manufacturer in order to, to justify it the compliance with MDR. Right, okay. Um, moving, moving back to you, Thomas, without considering these certification evaluations, do you offer any other type of service, for example, cybersecurity testing? Uh, and if so, which type of, which kind of cybersecurity tests do you perform for medical devices? Uh, for medical devices, we mainly do something called uh, penetration testing. Sounds painful. It sounds quite painful for a device in some cases. Yes. <laughs> in the best case, not. Best case, the device survives. Um, but this can uh, include uh, further firmware and software for device, static and dynamic analysis, binary analysis, testing of the update mechanisms, uh, source code reviews, or for the available interfaces, board scanning, the so-called fuzzing, so sending random data into the, into the device and see right. what happens. All right, um, just, just on that. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you, you remember recently there was a problem with air traffic control where um, it received a random piece of data and couldn't deal with it and it shut down the whole air traffic control system. Is, is that the sort of thing you would be testing? Yeah, exactly. So we send random input in and see how the machine behaves. Right. And this is more effective than it seems like from the outside view. Yeah. It, it happens a lot that the devices are tested for special input, but not for all of them. Yeah, my my wife often tests me like that and gives me random stuff to see if I can cope with it. And, and generally, <laughs> if she wants to, she can work for us. That's you know, <laughs> and no comment. <laughs> okay, um, but it's not only for the device itself, but also surrounding environment. For example, the device has some connected mobile applications. We can test the mobile applications. We can test maybe some backend, some servers where data is sent to. Um, some web applications, for example, you can look at your blood pressure and some kind of website and see how you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and for high assurance products, we can even do some cryptography evaluations and hardware testing, so fault injections, trying to shoot lasers on a device and see what happens. Right. Uh, testing campaigns are also on how deep the developer wants us to go and also on how much he provides to us. So there's so-called black, black box testing, where um, only public information is given to us, so the device itself and the public guidance, and we try to break the device uh, right. using just this information. Or there's also called so-called white box testing, where we get the source code and the design documents, where we can have a deeper and more functional analysis of the security functionalities. 
Right. And in the end, we then create a report and give that to the to the uh, customer or to the notify notification body. All right. Okay. Yeah. Talking about the notifi- notification body, uh, Vasily, from a no- notified body perspective, do you expect testing activities during a cybersecurity evaluation? As I mentioned in the beginning, during the technical documentation assessments performed by the notified body, we expect to see various verification and validation reports. And we start basically from the EN62304 report and then deal with deeper to check the decisions the manufacturer made in order to provide the evidence of compliance with MDR requirements. So test reports may be prepared by the third-party labs or by the customer themselves. For the review of customers' own test reports, the notified body may or require additional. Um, A question for Thomas. Um, How deep is testing needed to archive compliance, hardware and or software? And how deep do you look inside software? Everything starts and stops based on the so-called data, the threat and risk assessment. The testing is performed to evaluate if the cybersecurity countermeasures of the product um, mitigate possible threats and are robust, effective, and correctly implemented. And this is also valid for the depth of evaluation. During the data, the complexity and the effort to execute an attack scenario uh, is studied. And the testing we do in a lab has at least reached the target conditions uh, identified during this risk assessment. And Vasily, do you agree, is testing only a result of the manufacturer's risk analysis or do you expect certain tests for every device? Golden method is to begin with uh, compliance according to EN62304. And after that, uh, we can dive into the particular details of every system which might require more testing. In this regard, my reference for selecting the standards to check would be Annex 3 of MDCG 2019-16. And risk management at this place will guide me through the manufacturer's logic. Uh, Augmented by our expertise, uh, this will build a robust assessment base for the medical product, which involves cybersecurity aspects. Right. And uh, and Thomas, how do you evaluate the security to safety impact and vice versa? We as an uh, independent cybersecurity lab um, do not evaluate the security to safety impact and we also do not provide an assessment of our findings. So the only thing we do is we perform the testing and identify the vulnerabilities. Um, but the assessment of these findings has then to be done by the manufacturer. This also includes the effect of these vulnerabilities on safety, possible safety influences. A manufacturer should assess these findings and see if they want to provide some countermeasures or they can also provide a rationale uh, why this Possible vulnerabilities do not have to be um, circumvented because of some, for example, international regulations. Right. Okay. Thanks for the clar- clarification. Um, in this context, then, do cybersecurity risk mitigation measures need to be evaluated from a safety perspective additionally? Sure. Considering two different risk management processes, the links between safety and security has to be assessed. For example, um, a security risk can have a safety impact but also countermeasure of some security uh, risk can also negatively affect security and also the other way around. Uh, safety measure can negatively affect cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, these principles are very well defined in the so-called AMI DIR 57. 
question to you, Stefan. Do you evaluate security impacts when you perform safety evaluations? Um, and in this case, how do you do that? Yes. From the safety perspective, we leave on our IEC 6061-1 standard series for active medical devices and the requirements which are in their, their current series is barely considering cybersecurity subjects, but there are some particular standards like the IEC 6061-2-16 for hemodialysis equipment, which inhibits requirements in that direction, like safe data transfer between the medical device and an IT network referring to IEC 80001. It's uh, interesting because uh, in chapter 14 of the general standard, uh, it's about the software part, and it also refers to IEC 62304, which Basili just mentioned, and there we find some requirements. So to answer your question, at the moment, we barely look into a safety to security impact and vice versa, but the road is clear, requirements are coming, but the level of detail is uncertain so far because the standardization is in progress. Okay, yeah, thanks for the clarifications. Right, and what does the safety risk management process require in terms of cybersecurity? Do you see any difficulties to integrate the cybersecurity constraints? Yes, as, as mentioned before, our IC one series is is divided in three categories, the basic standard, the collateral standard, and the particular standard. And the last ones are the most specific for a product category. Basic standards strongly relies on the risk management process of ISO 14971, but it does not really treat any specific risks in terms of cybersecurity yet. But as mentioned above, for ex uh, particular standards, for example, can set certain requirements for to demonstrate compliance. So to summarize it, what we are observing right now in the field is that manufacturers are trying to be ahead of the regulation because it is somehow lacking for medical devices and trying to integrate cybersecurity requirements into their ISO 4971 based risk analysis. But there are two problems here. First, as we mentioned before, the security to safety impact and vice versa is often not considered within the risk analysis. Probably also it's uh, finding expertise in this topic is a challenge here. And second, the cybersecurity risk analysis is not separated from the ISO 14971 risk analysis process, uh, which Thomas just mentioned, like in the Army TIR 57. So, there are efforts which are made at the moment, but because of the lacking regulation, they're still like trying to demonstrate compliance. But the big question is, will it be enough for the future? Right. And, and what do you think, Vasily? How do notified bodies assessing compliance to the security, safety and, and vice versa issue? But during cybersecurity evaluation, notified bodies check for evidence. Depending on your risk assessment a strategy, for example, the FMEA, a combined process of two separate processes may need to be applied. And determining mutual influence between safety and security is tricky and requires expertise. A notified bodies use a checklist to see if it has been evaluated during the life cycle. And at this point, sadly, we'll have to bring this episode to a close. 
I know I've learned a lot and I hope you have too. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on the next episode. In that second episode, we'll look at the key regulatory topics, how safety and security are vital through the life cycle of a product, and much, much more. Thanks to my four SGS experts, Vasily Kalatsky, Stefan Fenn, Willie Fabricius, and Thomas Schuster.